0: Hello everyone, my name is Simon Lovegrove, Global Director of Financial Services Knowledge at Norton Rose Fulbright and welcome to this latest episode in our Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast mini-series on the UK Investment Fund Prudential Regime or UK IFPR. In today's episode, our London Financial Services team will take you through two topics. First they will provide a general overview of the proposed governance requirements and the new internal capital adequacy and risk assessment process. Second, they will cover the application of the new proposed MIFID-PRU remuneration code to firms. So, without further delay, I'm now going to hand over to Jochen Vesta, a senior associate in our London Financial Services team, who's going to take us through governance requirements and the new ICARA process.
1: In this first section, I'm going to speak about the governance requirements, risk management, and the new internal capital adequacy and risk assessment process. Let's take a look at the governance requirements first. All FCA investment firms, so non-SNI investment firms and SNI investment firms, must have in place robust governance arrangements. These must include a clear organisational structure with clear lines of responsibility …effective processes to identify and manage the risks and adequate internal control mechanisms. The arrangements shall be appropriate and proportionate to the nature and the business model of the firm and Mifidbrew gives some further guidance on the minimum criteria that firms should take into account. In the July policy statement, the FCA confirmed to proceed with the governance proposal largely as consulted on and provided some further clarification in relation to the application of the rules to investment firm groups on a consolidated basis. Although firms will already have governance arrangements in place, firms will need to review their current arrangements in order to ensure they comply with the new requirements. Moving on to the committee requirement. The requirement to establish risk, remuneration and nomination committees only applies to certain non-SNI firms at an individual entity level. A non-SNI firm would be subject to the requirement to establish these committees if the value of its on and off balance sheet assets is a rolling average of more than £300 million, or the value of its on- and off-balance sheet assets is a rolling average of more than £100 million, pounds, but less than £300 million, pounds, and it has a trading business of over £150 million, pounds and or a derivatives business of over £100 million. Pounds. The thresholds must be calculated on an individual entity basis. Each July policy statement partly amended the threshold calculations to draw clearer distinctions between the on- and off-balance sheet items. The FCA also provided further clarifications on various points in relation to the threshold calculations. Non-SNI firms in scope of this requirements must ensure that at least 50% of the members of each of the committees are non-executive members of the management body. This must include the committee chair. The rule only applies to FCA investment firms with legal structures which permit them to have non-executive members. In its July policy statement, the FCA reconfirmed that in-scope firms must establish risk and nomination committees at an individual entity level, but those firms might be able to apply to the FCA for modification and rely on group-level committees instead. However, the FCA has amended the rules to permit a non-SNI firm to rely on a group-level remuneration committee where the firm is part of an FCA investment firm group, to which prudential consolidation applies and the committee meets certain requirements. This means the firm may rely on a group level remuneration committee without needing to apply to the FCA for modification. In the latest policy statement, the FCA also confirmed to treat all current waivers and modifications in line with the approach set out in its previous consultation paper. Moving on to the risk management requirements and the new internal capital adequacy and risk assessment process. Previously, the FCA highlighted the introduction of this new regime is an opportunity to re-establish the expectation for firms' internal governance and risk management. The FCA proposes to introduce an internal capital and risk assessment process for SNI and non-SNI firms. This will be the centerpiece of the firm's risk management processes. The process will incorporate business model assessment, forecasting and stress testing, recovery planning, and wind-down planning. The FCA is proposing to introduce the overall financial adequacy rule. This rule establishes the standard the FCA will apply to determine if an FCA investment firm has adequate financial resources. As part of the ICAO process, firms will also be expected to identify whether they comply with the overall financial adequacy rule. The FCA expect that firms with a more complex business or operating model will generally generally need to take a more detailed approach to the monitoring and management of a wider range of potential harms than a smaller firm carrying on simpler activities. In this context, firms should note that even if an activity does not contribute towards the K-factor requirement, an FCA investment firm should still consider under the ACARA process whether that activity might create potential material risk of harm or may be relevant to the firm's write-down analysis. In the latest policy statement, the FCA highlighted the importance of the business model assessment and the determination of whether firms meet the overall financial adequacy rules. Firms are required to provide reasonable justification for their approach and to clearly document the basis on which it determines that any additional owned funds are or are not required in relation to a particular harm. FCA investment firms should review their cover process at least every 12 months. They should also review this immediately following a material change in their business model or operating model. The July policy statement has removed the previous guidance for larger or more complex firms to consider if a half yearly review basis for a review, for a review is more appropriate. The review needs to be documented by the FCA investment firm in the ICAWA document. On the basis that firms will need to identify whether they comply with the Oval Financial Adequacy Rule as part of their ICAWA process, there will not be a transitional provision. However, the July policy statement is introducing a new transitional regime for firms which currently have individual capital guidance and or individual liquidity guidance. Firms are not normally required to operate an ICARA process on a consolidated basis, even in the event the group is subject to prudential consolidation. Firms may, however, conduct the group ICARA if they meet the relevant criteria. The FCA reminded firms in the latest policy statement that all activities undertaken by the firm must be taken into account in the the individual ICARA, including any non-MIFID business that the firm undertakes. This was a general overview of the IFPR governance requirements and the new ICARA process.
0: In this section, Iona Wright, counsel in our London Financial Services team, will guide us through the application of the new MIFID-PRU remuneration code to firms.
2: Thanks, Simon. So to kick off, when thinking about remuneration in an IFPR context, one of the key points to remember is that the application of the remuneration rules differs depending on which category of firm you fall into. The concept of different firm categories is unlikely to be foreign to those IFPRI firms that have become used to the FCA splitting firms into different proportionality levels under CRD4, but will likely be novel for some of the other firm categories, such as exempt CAD and pre firms. In short, based on the near-final rules in the FCA's IFPR policy statement, published in July, the starting point for all firms will be to, to determine whether they are a small, and non-interconnected or SNI firm or a non-SNI firm. And we have covered this already in the IFPR podcast series. SNI firms will be subject to basic requirements applicable to all staff, with a focus on ensuring that firms have gender neutral remuneration policies and practices meeting minimum standards and are subject to sound governance. There should also be an appropriate balance between fixed and variable remuneration. With firms not awarding variable remuneration where it could affect their ability to maintain a sound capital base. If firms are non-SNI firms, for remuneration purposes, they will need to work out if they constitute standard or large non-SNI firms. Standard non-SNI firms are those where the value of their on-balance sheet assets and off-balance sheet items over the preceding four-year period is a rolling average of 100 million pounds or less. Or three hundred million pounds or less, and where they have trading book businesses equal to or less than one hundred and fifty million pounds, and derivatives businesses equal to or less than hundred million pounds. Non-SNI firms that do not exceed these thresholds will need to comply with the basic requirements applicable to all staff and standard requirements for material risk takers or MRTs. The standard requirement includes identification of MRTs. The application of an appropriate ratio to fixed and variable remuneration. Note that this is not a bonus cap, restrictions on non-performance related variable remuneration, and the application of performance adjustment measures. By contrast, larger non-SNI firms will need to comply with the basic requirements applicable to all staff and the standards and extended remuneration requirements for MRTs. The extended requirements include those around deferral. Payments and instruments and retention periods, and holding and retention periods for discretionary pension benefits. A remuneration committee will also be required, with the chair and at, at least 50% non-executive director membership where possible, although a modification of this requirement is available for group level committees, assuming certain criteria can be met. For MRTs of large non-SNI firms, relief from the extended requirements is possible if they fall within scope of the MRT de minimis exemption, which applies where the MRT's annual variable remuneration is less than or equal to £167,000 and makes up one-third or less of their total annual remuneration. Moving on, I wanted to wrap up with five key remuneration takeaways. Firstly, when an investment firm is part of a wider group, it is important to look carefully at whether and to what extent the remuneration rules apply across the group. For example, when a firm is part of an FCA investment firm consolidation group with some SNI firms and non-SNI firms, the consolidation group must comply with the standard remuneration requirements as if it were a non-SNI. Note, however, that the threshold calculation between standard and extended remuneration requirements is on an entity-level basis including where that entity is part of a prudential consolidation group, i.e. there is no consolidation group top-up of the thresholds. There are also additional considerations for groups with third-country subsidiaries, fund managers, credit institutions, or PRA-designated investment firms. Secondly, in what will be a welcome relief for those firms currently subject to CRD4 remuneration rules, The FCA has removed the requirement for firms to identify MRTs based solely on quantitative criteria, as it is not considered to be a reliable indicator of the level of risk involved in a role in an FCA investment firm. Thirdly, and the topic of this podcast, we will have a new MIFID pre-remuneration code at CISC-19G of the FCA handbook, which will be applicable to all FCA investment firms. This will replace the IFPRE and BIPRE remuneration codes at CISC-19A and CISC-19C respectively, along with their associated guidance documents. CISC-19F on staff incentives and the remuneration of sales staff will remain unchanged and applicable to firms. Fourthly, firms will need to apply these new rules to the first performance period from the 1st of January 2022. Up until that point, firms should continue applying their current remuneration regimes. This means for most firms, that the IFPR remuneration rules will only start to apply to variable remuneration paid out in 2023 in respect of the 2022 performance period. Fifthly, there will also be a new MIFID-PRO remuneration report known as MIF-008 to be submitted annually within four months of the firm's accounting reference date, which will retire the existing remuneration benchmarking information report and high earners' report currently applicable to some firms. The FCA proposes to tailor the reporting requirements depending on how a firm applies the remuneration requirements. In particular, s S&I firms would report only basic information about the total number of staff they have and how much total fixed and variable remuneration they awarded in the relevant year. non s firms would need to split this information between MRTs and non-MRTs and also provide information on the ex-post adjustments made to variable remuneration. And large non-SNI firms would also need to provide information on the remuneration awarded to their highest three earners. Note finally that the FCA intends to consult on the public disclosure of remuneration information in its third IFPR consultation paper due later this year. I hope this was helpful, and keep an ear out for the rest of our IFPR podcast series. Thank you. That
0: concludes today's podcast. As mentioned before on previous podcasts, don't forget that on the Norton Rose Fulbright website, we have an IFPR impact product, which is designed to help clients manage each step of their UK IFPR internal implementation project. It provides a high-level summary of the draft prudential sourcebook for MIFID investment firms, as well as any consequential amendments to other FCA sourcebooks. For further information, contact your investor or your usual contact at the London Financial Services team. Thanks for listening. Take care. Goodbye.